All right, so welcome back to the Pretengineers podcast. And uh, you're with Jack today, and I'm going to be giving you my side of the story, uh, my version of events on how I've come to where I am today, how Ryan and I have both come to the conclusion that we want to do this podcast and share our experiences and the experience of other people. And I hope you get a bit of value from this. Where to begin? Where to begin? I suppose like all good stories, it's probably best to start from the start. And for me, starting from the start, um, I guess my true start was, I would say, is here in Crumman Valley where I'm sitting now. Um, I've grown up out here, maybe, well, most of, the majority of my life I've spent out here. Um, and what a childhood it's been for me growing up out in kind of rural Gold Coast area. Even now on the weekends when I'm not working, it's somewhere where I just love to come and uh, refresh, rewind and just take a break and a pause. And so, yeah, you'll often catch me out here um, soaking up the goodness that is Crumman Valley. So, yeah, to cut a long story short, grew up here on the Gold Coast and attended uh, primary school out here in Crumman Valley and then out um, to Eleanor State High School for um, all of my high school activities. And after high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do at all. I really enjoyed graphic design at high school, uh, among with a lot of other things. I did all right when I finished school, and I'd say above average marks, but not nowhere near the top of the class or anything like that. And uh, when I finished school, <clears throat> I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So for me, taking a gap year was a pretty logical thing, and... I kind of always just assumed that taking a gap year, I'd somehow magically and miraculously discover what I wanted to do with my life career-wise and work-wise. And that was always my plan, doing that. So after high school, I embarked on um, a, well, what was set out to be one year. And I've always been someone who wants to uh, kind of push the limits and I'm quite ambitious in that respect. And my, um, my dad's side of the family is from uh, Switzerland in Europe. And uh, for me, uh, that sounded like an amazing opportunity to go and reconnect with uh, that part of the family and really kind of discover uh, the lives that they lived over there. And I wanted to um, get an appreciation for um, that different kind of culture. So I moved over there and like every, every person on a gap year, I... Um, wanted to pursue a fun job and activity. And for me, that was uh, ski instructing, had to be that. So I went over, um, somehow managed to get into a ski school, uh, being an Aussie surfer, that's um, the complete opposite of what I do day to day. So I still kind of pinch myself that I was able to score a gig like that, which was pretty crazy. And um, I had an absolute blast. And then from then, got to summer, um, had an incredible time and um, over in Switzerland you have to um, do compulsory military service and I got to the end of the ski instructing season and had done like one really good thing and kind of wanted to keep the ball rolling on um, searching for really interesting kind of opportunities that I could um, take take on with both hands during my gap year and um, 
working at the local, well, they don't have Coles, but the local supermarket over there um, wasn't really what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something that was going to be super memorable. And um, the compulsory military service kind of came up through conversation with a few of um, my family members and they encouraged me to go and do it. Well, a few did and a few didn't, but in the end I went and um, signed up and ended up serving in the Swiss Army for um, a total of, I believe it was eight or nine months or something. It was a fair chunk of time and um, trained with them, did all my basic training, ended up um, falling into um, their sniper kind of school that they have and graduated as a um, Swiss sniper in the end. And uh, I guess that's a whole story in itself, but um, long story short, I finished off the service um, at the end of the year and um, moved back to Australia. And after all that time, I kind of expected that I'd have a better idea of what I wanted to do as a career and um, nothing. It turned out that I was having such a blast and such a full on time over there. I forgot to think about what I wanted to do with my life and <laughs> career wise and so I came back uh, no more wiser than I had um, had left and really the search continued for me looking for what I wanted to do. So when I'd come back, um, before I actually left, I'd enrolled uh, to do uh, civil engineering at university and I kind of had done that because my marks fitted that. Um, it kind of aligned with my passion, I thought, of uh, graphic design. I quite enjoyed architecture, but... I was actually um, quite ambitious in that um, I wanted to do more than um, just design. I wanted to know the reasoning behind um, how things worked and be able to um, kind of uh, really delve into the makings behind a design and all the kind of technical aspects of that. And I guess that's kind of why I thought engineering might fit that kind of bill. So I just selected it on a whim. And when I came back from my gap year, I really just... Um, went well stuff it <laughs> it's the only thing i've enrolled in it looks like it's not too bad i'll give that a crack seems like a pretty good degree and hopefully by the end of it i'll um, know um that it's probably for me and it'll hopefully work out so yeah enrolled um and i think my kind of story there is quite similar to a lot of people that kind of come straight out of school and have no idea because it is such a massive decision to um, come out of school and be chucked straight into choosing a career for the rest of your life. And I feel that this is quite a common thing uh, for a lot of people, not just myself. And so when I selected this degree um, and started on it, it's really just something that I assumed I would love and something that would um, grasp my attention. And when I first started, I just remember uh, struggling not really enjoying it and kind of just pushing through. I was able to do it, but I was more there for, um, I enjoyed kind of the almost school feel of university, making friends, talking and um, kind of doing all those kind of things that were outside of study. There were definitely a few classes that I enjoyed, but straight away I kind of was a bit like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And I began my degree and... Um, carried on into the second year and over the summer holidays I decided I wanted to go back to Switzerland and ski instruct during the winter and for them obviously winter's uh, opposite to us so our summer holidays I was able to go over there and ski instruct during winter and I remember real real uh, clearly 
that I instructed this guy um, and we just got talking and I was teaching him a few things and he, uh, I quizzed him on what he did for, for work and he was like, oh, I'm an engineer. And I went, oh, no way, I'm studying engineering. What, uh, what do you do as an engineer? And he went, oh, I design skis, believe it or not. He's like, don't judge me on it, but I actually design skis. And I went, no way. And that's your job. What kind of engineer are you? And he goes, oh, I'm a mechanical engineer. And then that's when I really went, holy, holy shit, this is crazy. A mechanical engineer can go and design skis and get paid for it. That's a career that I want. That's something that I want to do. And I really um, just saw the value in all of a sudden having a degree that can really be that versatile. You could be designing a ski or you could be designing a road. You could be designing a gearbox system, whatever it is, uh, an engineering degree, all of a sudden it just clicked. That's um, the world is your oyster kind of thing. You can do anything with it. And he really highlighted that to me. And we had a really good in-depth conversation about that. And he uh, led me to believe that mechanical engineering was such a diverse degree um, that you truly could almost pursue nearly everything with the right attitude and uh, mindset in uh, the engineering field. So when I returned to Australia, I promptly uh, decided I was going to change my major from civil engineering to mechanical engineering. And <laughs> thus become um, my journey with mechanical engineering, which turned out to be a much harder degree, in my opinion. And um, I struggled, but I actually started to enjoy it a lot more and see the value of what kind of this degree could give and kind of the diversity of it. And one thing I will say in hindsight is um, having such a diverse degree can also be um, a curse in itself. Well, whilst it might seem really good that you can be involved in all sorts of jobs and disciplines, it also makes your decision a lot harder. So as you can imagine for someone like myself who was already questioning, oh, I'm not too sure whether engineering's for me, I'll give it a crack, I'll see what happens. I've all of a sudden, by choosing to do mechanical engineering, opened up a complete new can of worms, which is uh, looking at a thousand more different career options. And um, once you graduate, you're asked to choose one. And so I guess with my civil engineering degree that I was doing before, it was um, a smaller kind of window of jobs and opportunities I could go for, which, which is great um, in that aspect. I mean... It makes your decision a lot easier when you're applying and choosing jobs and careers in that kind of field. But also, I guess it limits you a little bit in that um, with mechanical engineering, it, the field of jobs you can apply for is enormous. So I think in hindsight, um, I really needed to, yes, carry on with mechanical engineering, but I needed to get more specific on what I actually wanted. Did I want to go and design skis? If that was my thing, absolutely. But then I needed to be going and getting work experience tailored to that kind of passion and um, not kind of just falling into what else, what everyone else was doing. And I think that's kind of a huge learning for me, but can also be taken on board for a lot of other people um, doing their kind of degrees. Whilst you might just be stumbling along going through the, de the degree, just take an hour out of your time to just sit down and really kind of write down what your passion is, what you're interested in and where you see yourself going in the future with your degree. And uh, for myself, that's something I never did. 
And it's only now, like two, three years out of my degree that I'm really starting to sit down and go, hang on, like, what, where am I going with this? What do I want to do with this degree? And how, how is this enriching my life and making me happy and fulfilled? And yeah, before that, I, that was just never something I even considered. I just assumed that everything would work out and I'd fall into the right place. And for some people that, that really does happen. But a uh, majority of cases from what I've experienced and seen in industry, um, you will just accidentally fall into something um, that you don't enjoy, something that you don't like. And um, you'll slowly work your way through that industry, uh, perhaps unhappy, until you accidentally bump one day into something that you do mildly enjoy. And that can that can work out quite well for some people. I've seen a lot of people um, bump into that. Well, obviously a lot more senior than me. But the way I'm kind of seeing things at the moment is if you don't have a specific goal, a specific target that you want to hit, um, then doing the grind and doing your daily every day it makes it so much harder to get through and um, you kind of get home at the end of the day and you just go, what am I doing this for? What What is this all for? And if you do have that target and that goal that you're trying to hit, uh, you can get home at the end of the day and go, yeah, that's why I grinded out today. This was so worth it because in five years' time, I'm going to be doing this and um, this is why. So, yeah, that would definitely be one of the things that I'd tell um, a younger version of myself embarking on this story. But um, yeah, moving on from that, I finished off my second year of mechanical engineering and just towards the end of second year, we had um, a guy from the Gold Coast City Council come into our university and he offered up a scholarship to all the students. So I remember he came into the lecture, did a um, little presentation on what the Gold Coast City Council is predominantly involved in, in the engineering space and he had a scholarship running for their infrastructure and delivery branch. And um, at that stage, like I said before, I didn't really have much vision. I had kind of a far off fantasy of being a, um, I guess, a ski design engineer in some capacity, but let's face it, we're in Australia, there's not much skiing going on over here. If I was gonna pursue that dream, I really needed to move or um, really, start hunting that down and I wasn't doing that at the time and um, this opportunity presented itself to to me so I took it with both hands and went well stuff it I'm going to apply for this I need to be doing something outside of uni and start preparing myself for after this degree and I applied for the scholarship as a mechanical engineering student little did I know this um, scholarship was predominantly based towards uh, civil engineering students and the civil industry and so I applied um, not thinking anything of it, I just went, you know what, I'll just chuck my hat in the ring and we'll see what happens. And uh, ended up getting accepted. So um, to just quickly go through the process of that, I um, had to write, I think it was a, a two or three page essay on why I deserve the scholarship, what activities I've been doing in the community to, um, to deserve this scholarship, what my experience was job wise and all that kind of stuff. And then afterwards, um, I was called in for an interview with, uh, with kind of their board, I suppose. And I went through with them as to why I deserve the scholarship, how it would benefit me. And uh, they ended up being impressed and liked, uh, liked what I had to say and ended up getting the scholarship. And if there's one thing I'll say on that, um, I always remember talking to um, a lady from the scholarship advisory board at Griffith University and 
she was telling me about the number of scholarships every year that go up and they don't get claimed at all by anyone because there's so many scholarships going down. And if you think about it, think about yourself right now, um, applying for a scholarship. Most times, nine times out of 10, you'll go, oh, no, there's someone else who deserves that more, more than me. There's someone smarter than me. There's someone whose situation will be better than that. So I, I won't apply for that one. I might just apply for this one. It's quite generic. Um, and uh, I'll hopefully get that one. And what what ends up happening is everyone will apply for the same one. Um, it's so she was telling me that I'll have 10,000 applicants or something for one uh, particular scholarship. It's quite broad and generic and a lot of people kind of fit into that box. But then if it's quite specific, um, there's a big reward, there's stuff like that, they won't get many people applying for it. And I think for my scholarship, that it, that was the case. Not many people applied for it. A lot of people went, oh, nah, that's there'll be heaps of smart people applying. I probably won't be able to get in on that. I'll, I'll give it a miss. And that really worked to my advantage for that uh, because, well, lo and behold, I got the scholarship. My GPA wasn't amazing. I wasn't the smartest kid in the room by any chance. I probably... Um, wasn't doing as much in the community as what other people might have been doing. Uh, there's a whole range of things as to why I could have felt that I might not have deserved or been warranted the scholarship, but I went for it anyway, chucked my hat in the ring and ended up getting it. And yeah, it's, I think that really is a good lesson for life in general in applying for jobs, in pursuing kind of the dream uh, dream position, dream goals and all these kind of things is that just chucking your hat in the ring and giving it a real a real red hot go uh, has so much to be said for and can really benefit you in the long run because the worst you're going to get is a no and I mean a no is not too bad in the scheme of things really is it so ended up getting this scholarship I um, promptly started working with the council and um, being in their infrastructure and delivery branch it basically meant I was thrust into a, a civil engineering world. So what does that mean? That basically means um, starting off from testing, scoping out a site, designing what wanted to be implemented, um, doing all the feasibilities, um, going through all the certifications, um, project managing a build, constructing it, um, finishing it off and handing it over to the client. Um, that was everything that the infrastructure and delivery branch kind of done, if not more. Um, so basically the scholarship wanted me to learn all of that. So they have a uh, soils lab and a lot of um, these big kind of businesses will have a soils lab. And what does a soils lab do? A soils lab basically tests soil, believe it or not. Um, and all sorts of different um, construction materials and that was kind of my first intro into construction materials I suppose so and a lot of people when you say material don't actually think of uh, soil as being a material or concrete as being a material but if you really get down to it and think about it all these kind of things are the materials that make up many of the infrastructure and major projects around you um, so I got into this lab started working there over summer uh, started on the summer holidays I worked full-time with them and uh, I went through a range of different projects and um, testing kind of systems and requirements with them which was so insightful and valuable for myself to learn so went through out on um, out on their drill rigs and we drilled down 
next to rows getting soil samples and we'd take them back to the lab and we'd do um, CBRs, so a California bearing ratio, um, to determine uh, what properties the soils has. We'd go through and find all the moistures and you'd be able to th- determine things like, is this land going to slip? Uh, do we need to put up a retaining wall? What kind of... Um, uh, other materials can we mix in with this soil to stabilise it and all sorts of different things like that. Uh, we'd go through and we'd uh, test concrete and um, uh, test compressive strength, all sorts of things like that. And I was involved in all of it. One of the more exciting things I remember us doing was we went out and did asphalt coring and that was on um, the Gold Coast 600 track uh, that we have here on the Gold Coast and we... Uh, Ended up testing the asphalt, um, making sure that it was suitable for the cars, uh, being um, those big kind of V8 cars that go along the track and they're having issues with, um, these cars are so powerful that they actually end up tearing up the asphalt. Um, The way, just the sheer force of the tyres on the asphalt tears it up. So they had to um, induce a polymer uh, mix, I believe, into the asphalt to um, basically um, stop that issue. So yeah, there was all sorts of amazing kind of uh, learnings that I gained from that. And after that, I was uh, put into the surveying branch. So um, put with all the surveyors. And by that time, I'd started back at university. And I was doing, I think it was one or two days a week with the council. And I'd go out with um, a surveyor on um, Thursday or Friday. And we'd go out for the day and just go and survey stuff. Pretty, seemed like a pretty good gig. So I'd go out with them. We'd set up all our surveying equipment and we'd, uh, a lot of the times we'd be surveying roads and streets. Uh, that might be for path upgrades, uh, might even be a whole road upgrade that was going on, um, all sorts of different things. So we'd do things like uh, a detailed survey, for example, where you're literally marking out every single point on the street um, of the different details and where various objects um, lie. And then we take that information back to the office, upload it into AutoCAD or um, different programs for our design engineers to interpret. And then they literally have a map of the street that we've been to, for example. And that's extremely detailed so that they can see everything, all the issues they're going to encounter with a design project that they've got and uh, really go from there. Whilst a lot of kind of engineers nowadays will just use Google Maps or something like that to go through and um, uh, base their designs off. Uh, These kind of um, detailed surveys are critical if you want to know exactly where everything lies and it's all to scale, it's all drawn up and yeah, super uh, useful information. And um, then we'd go out and do other things like uh, topographical and cadastral surveys and uh, even you'd have uh, guys going out to the beach at times, um, surveying sand heights, um, seeing how um, sand and all sorts of um, material out in the ocean is moving, and that would be monitored, all sorts of different things like that. And it was a really, really insightful and cool journey for myself to get involved in, and something that um, when you learn that kind of stuff and then you get involved in major projects um, in civil engineering-wise to be able to understand what these guys are doing and um, kind of the requirements that a surveyor needs to be able to do their job effectively, it really, really helps. Uh, then uh, carrying on my studies still, so this is probably about third year, I'd say, still working um, part-time at the council. 
I uh, got rotated through to the, uh, where was next? I believe it was the design branch, so actually where the engineers are doing their civil designs. So jumped into back into the office, sat down with a lot of um, civil civil design engineers there, and really started um, going through uh, what goes into making an effective uh, civil design. So uh, did a whole range of things, whether it be something as simple as just doing a bus stop or a new uh, pathway going along the street. There's actually a lot of design that goes into doing those kind of things. And then even looking at new um, road upgrades and all sorts of things going along the Gold Coast. So really got involved in that kind of thing and definitely enjoyed it. Got a lot of insight as to what happened there, the whole process, taking it from um, conception through to uh, drafting it up, getting it back, reviewing, doing markups, all sorts of things there, and then handing it, eventually, finally handing it off over to construction. And that was another rotation that I took through the council that I really enjoyed because it really was the um, summation and culmination of all of my kind of studies or experiences that I've been doing through the council. And I could see um, the projects that I've been working on with the council all kind of come to fruition and physically start going into the ground and being put up. So um, I formed some pretty close relationships with the guys that work there and um, got to go out to site and start to see literally a project that when I first started working for the council where I was um, on the auger drilling down getting soil samples and then next thing I know a year later or six months later I'm with the guys actually starting to put in the concrete and go over and do the pavements and um, physically see everything um, get put in the ground and starting to see the finished product of what is uh, a years in the making kind of thing and it really kind of highlighted um, I suppose the, the detail and the time that it takes to do an effective civil design and civil works so um, I guess that was an incredible experience that I gained through my studies uh, in the civil engineering sector and bear in mind the whole time I've been studying mechanical engineering which whilst it is similar and we do learn a lot of um, civil engineering techniques it's also from a completely different field so I'm learning a lot about gearboxes and kinematics and dynamics and all those kind of things that you'd expect a mechanical engineer to know but now all of a sudden I've got a complete different uh, tool set that is civil engineering and I'm getting towards the end of my degree and going well shit how does civil engineering and now this theory and mechanical engineering fit together and how am I going to make a career of this all of a sudden it's not looking so good for my dreams of being a uh, ski design engineer but it's more so looking towards this weird kind of career where I'm mixing mechanical and civil engineering and um yeah, for me that was quite dawning to be honest because I knew I'd been working hard and I'd been studying and really trying to make the most of what I'd um, been doing at my time at university. But I really didn't uh, understand or know where I kind of fit in to this picture outside of university and whether I was to just jump down civil engineering or jump into a mechanical engineering uh, kind of role. So yeah... I ended up um, getting right towards the end of my degree and saw a little job ad come up for 
company called Wholesome and they uh, had a two-year graduate program going and um, basically just said, well, this looks all right. I'll have a bit more of a look into that and did a bit of research on the company and found out that they were a major uh, materials construction company, um, big global player. And basically what they did, uh, the business is predominantly a cement business, but to sell cement, you need to sell um, products that basically use and require cement. So products that use and require cement, obviously one is concrete and that's a, that's a major kind of um, product. Uh, and how do you make concrete? Well, you need other substituents such as aggregates and aggregates being um, gravel or rocks and these coming from quarries and all sorts of things like that. And um, you could also argue sand is a major thing that goes into it. So um, sand mining and stuff like that. Uh, also precast kind of con concrete products. That's another business that can use cement. And so basically any business that's looking to use cement Wholesome um, is looking to uh, work with or use to be able to distribute the cement that they're producing. Um, so I saw that and I went, wow, well, I've got all this experience in civil engineering and I've been studying a mechanical engineering degree. These guys are involved heavily in production um, using a lot of kind of mechanical methods, I suppose. A lot of mechanical machinery goes into it. If you think about um, almost mining, um, it's, quarries are basically small mines. Um, concrete production uses a lot of mechanical methods. And the more I kind of researched into it, the more I kind of went, well, this kind of maybe fits the mold of what I'm looking for here with my experience that I've had so far. And so um, I, I applied for the program, um, managed to get through the interview process and um, found myself winding up at uh, their interview day. But I should probably quickly mention that um, there was a lot of applicants that applied and uh, you'll find with a lot of these kind of graduate programs that there are a buttload of people that apply from all around the country who have all just graduated looking to get into their dream jobs and um, really want to get a head start. So <laughs> for me to get in um, was no small fate and... I always remember I did. I made it through to their video interview round, and the video interview um, is I think it's a ten-minute kind of thing, and it's quite typical for most of these graduate programs to screen out a lot of their candidates that apply. And basically, what happens is they ask you a bunch of questions, and you need to reply to them in a certain time period. And um, little to my knowledge, um, then there'll be a few big managers at the company. They'll go through all the video interviews. Uh, review them, see who they think will fit best in the company, and then just scrap the rest. Um, so as you can imagine, if you're a big manager and you're going through all of these videos, say you've got about two, 300 videos to go through in a day, um, that's pretty boring stuff. <laughs> and it's not really a job I'd want to do. I always thought that'd be something that I'd love to do, but now when I <laughs> uh, think about it, I'd hate to do something like that. It would bore the crap out of you. So uh, when I was doing my video interview, I was going through the motions, doing it, and um, come the third or fourth question, my household cat, Jasper, jumps up in front of the keyboard and uh, walks across the keyboard, looks directly into the camera, does a little meow, 
and then walks off the keyboard and I I carry on with my interview unfazed. In my head, I'm screaming, going, you bloody cat, you've just ruined all my career prospects here. There's no chance I'm getting this now. I couldn't even lock out my household cat whilst I was doing an interview. And um, I got to the end of the interview and um, it wasn't re-recordable, so I went, stuff it, it's going to have to be submitted. I'll just finish it off and that's it. I've ruined my chances there. Sent it off and um, little did I know, but the manager who was watching 200 videos, um, who's watching uh, all of them, all, all of a sudden stumbles across mine and sees his cat walk through the screen. And as you can imagine, having a cat walk through the screen is definitely one thing that's going to stand out after you've watched about 200 videos of the same suit and tie people telling telling him or her why they deserve to be hired in the company. And um, as, it, as, it, as it went, my video was the only video that he remembered from a thing. And he immediately, um, <laughs> from that day on, I believe my nickname was uh, Catman. So Catman was the one person that he remembered and I was uh, called in for an interview based off uh, off of my cat. <laughs> now, I'm not recommending anyone to go and get their cats and put them in videos, but I guess it did highlight um, kind of the key of being original and authentic in these kind of things. A lot of people are trying to um, prop themselves up and say how good they are and all this, but um, it's quite rare to find people who are quite authentic and genuine about uh, where they come from, what they do and all those kind of things. And that's something I'm still heavily trying to learn and reflect on day to day on being as authentic as possible. And um, having Jasper the cat in my video definitely highlighted that um, to the recruiter there. So I went in for the interview and um, it's a full day process, the job interview that they have. Go in in the morning, there's a little presentation um, get basically sold on what the company is about, um, what we can expect as being part of the program and uh, what will be expected of us. And then I believe straight after that we were taken on a site tour. So we went out to one of their biggest concrete plants, went through it, um, got a bit of a tour, um, kind of told what, uh, what we could be expected to do at a site like this. And... Um, and we were promptly taken back to back to their head office there in Brisbane, and um, I th- believe the next thing we did was a group activity. And for anyone that's got kind of a um, interview coming up like this, uh, an example of what these group activities could be. Our one was, I believe, we were all on the moon. We were given fifteen items on a list, obviously, and we were to rank from. Um, least important to most important um, what we needed and a plan of attack on how we would, how we would get off the moon. So um, I think the premise was that there was um, a satellite, or no, uh, our spacecraft was floating um, 200 metres or something just above us or something like that, just out of reach, and we needed to create something to propel us towards this... Um, this uh, spacecraft and get back into it and so as a group we need to come up with a plan of attack and what we'd use to get there um so yeah that that was what that was all about then after that uh we were asked to write a quick little essay i think it was a one pager 
on um, basically there was a situation. So um, Wholesome and you'll find with a lot of other construction companies and production kind of mining companies, their number one value should and nearly always is uh, safety. Um, because there's nothing worse than having a workplace where you come to work and you cut and you go home in a worse state than you were when you arrived, and that's kind of our number one goal and value, is making sure that our people come to work and are comfortable enough to be able to put up their hand and say, uh, "I feel this task is unsafe. I don't want to do. I'm not prepared to do this because I feel that I'll be." Um, in a worse physical or mental state than I was uh, when I arrived here, than when I go home and I don't want to go home to my family injured and not fit for duty the next day. So um, we basically were given a situation on a safety incident that had happened, um, a make-believe kind of incident, and we had to write down exactly um, how how we would go about resolving uh, the issue and the situation and leading the team to um, a safe and successful outcome and that being balancing the need of production and everything um, with uh, safety really and so um, I think the people who didn't do well on it um, didn't put safety at their number one kind of uh, cause so for myself, I'd come from um, the council or government organisation and obviously for themselves, safety is number one. And I kind of uh, had a bit of experience in that. And so number one for me was work was to stop until um, the safety of all our personnel was accounted for and everyone um, was safe to proceed with whatever the task was. So, and then I basically went from there. So, after concluding the essay, uh, we are all um, sat down and told that it was time to do interviews. So, everyone's taken off one-on-one to go and do interviews with um, respective recruiters and managers in the business. And you do a one-on-one interview and um, after that, you, you can leave and go home. And that's basically what the day is all about. My interview, um, well, interviewing in general for myself has always been something that I'm quite good at and something that uh, I almost enjoy doing. (laughs) And my mum will definitely tell whoever um, meets me that um, I love talking about myself and um, that could reign true and it's definitely something I'm trying to work on. And maybe this podcast is a good outlet to get rid of some of that. But uh, for me to do an interview, I absolutely love um, doing that kind of stuff and connecting with whoever it is and seeing whether we're going to be a good fit together. And uh, the people that I did my interview with, um, I really connected well with. Um, I um, really, uh, I guess, admired kind of uh, the company image and the company culture they were trying to promote uh, to myself and also just in general. And I just believed that this would be a really good fit for where my career was going. Um, so basically got out of the interview. Long story short, a couple of months later, I got a call up that I had been successful and that my first posting for the graduate program was going to be down in Melbourne. So for the graduate program, uh, three rotations over two years. And these were... Um, kind of national posting so you could be posted anywhere in Australia they only like to rotate you uh, once 
but so it fell for me over this um, graduate program I've been rotated three times throughout the program which um, has turned out to be a bit of a blessing in disguise because the network you build up um, for me nationally now um, is incredible and it means that I have a whole bunch of people I can call on um, in any kind of issues that I encounter at work and across all sorts of different business types that our business is involved in. Um, so I guess uh, I want to go a lot more in depth into kind of what um, my day-to-day role is at the moment. So I want to go a lot more into depth into my day-to-day role at the moment, what my experience has been so far uh, doing a graduate program, uh, what maybe tips and tricks I might have for people entering um, a situation that uh, similar to myself that I'm in at the moment. And um, I really just kind of want to explore that a little bit further. And I think Ryan might have said in his kind of um, journal entry or whatever we're going to call this <laughs> down the track um, that this is really about um, whilst when we interview people over this podcast, they give a snapshot of basically what they've done all the way up to now in their careers. I think Ryan and I, we really want to um, go through and be able to update you guys regularly on... um, update you guys regularly on where we're at in our careers, what decisions we're facing um, day-to-day, whether it be in our personal lives or our professional lives, um, and how we're kind of navigating that. And I just think it'll be almost a, a really good piece for um, to be able to just um, highlight the life um, <laughs> that, that an engineer or someone who's had an engineering degree or um, a STEM degree can kind of expect and what's coming up because it, it's not all roses it can be it can be quite tough and challenging at times but um the reward you can get from a career like this is um quite quite impressive and something that uh definitely wouldn't change for the world doing um a degree like this and i think for myself uh at the moment i'm kind of at a crossroads and not too sure as to what my future holds and this is going to be almost a really good platform to be able to um, almost uh, brainstorm to you guys where I want to uh, head in the future, um, whether it be with Wholesome or someone else or who knows, um, and what kind of to expect for myself. So yeah, without further ado, I uh, really hope you guys uh, get a lot of value from this kind of content that Ryan and I are planning to put out over the next uh, six months to a year at least. And we're really hoping that this will be able to help anyone in any way. So if there is anyone out there who wants to chat about issues that they might be having with their degree or their careers at the moment, or just want to connect, catch up or anything like that, Uh, Ryan and myself, uh, this is the whole aim. We want to build a community where we can really kind of connect with people like ourselves and start uh, learning more about what other people do in their careers, um, the challenges that they're facing, and really start to share and give other people inspiration as to where they can really take their careers and um, move into in in the future, Where, what goals can they be setting and all those kind of things. So, yeah. Thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll talk soon.